I see D&D on demand as very fluid. I feel like you're going to work for what the fans and your fans want to see. I feel like you're going to go and do whatever you get the most feedback from. I feel like that's what you're going to go and do. And we all really appreciate that. You know, I've never done anything like this in my life. This is crazy. You know, I mean, it's not like four million people are going to hear it, but if four people hear it, then I'm, you know, that's different for me. Hey everyone, and welcome to DMB On Demand, the podcast, where we shine a light on the music we all know and love and how it's influenced our lives both individually and collectively. So, come and relax now, lay your troubles down. No need to bear the weight of your worries here, let them all fall away. So we have some news to get to first before we have our interview. The big news of the week is that we're officially going to commit to weekly publishing from here on out. Every other week, we'll have a full-size podcast with the episode that has interviews with guests, personal stories, news, etc. Then on the weeks in between, we'll have many episodes, 20 to 25 minutes, that cover the latest DMB news, a personal story from the host that relates to DMB, and any other brand updates there might be. You can look forward to our episodes every Monday at 3 o'clock Pacific Time. The only other note for news is that we've went to the store and we've reduced prices all across the board. We know that money's tight with coronavirus, and if you want to get ready for what's hopefully going to be a great 2020 tour, stop on in to DMB On Demand and check out our new prices. So with that, we're going to get right into it and start our interview. All right, so let's get to learn a little bit about our guest, uh, Ryan. Ryan is joining us today from Kentucky. He just got back from getting groceries, which we all know that in these days and times can be a little treacherous and a little sparse, nothing on the shelves. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for some time. Uh, we've talked a little bit on Twitter here and there, but I think you've got a story, um, a few, but one in particular that the world needs to hear about. And I think people will be able to relate to it. And that's you know, essentially what we're doing here is trying to explore the commonality that we all have in the music, that we all celebrate the music with joy when we're at live events, but we also have the same soundtrack during our lower points. And the more we can shine a line on that, I think the better we'll be to one another. So um, I'm excited to hear your stories today. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, location, Uh, well, my name is Ryan Stivers. Um I'm from Eminence, Kentucky, which is a real small town. I was uh, raised by my grandparents way out in the country. Uh, and I know that 
Haley's, uh, or as everybody knows her, um, the fan that Jane likes, her kangaroo humping ass is going to make a smart comment about that. She already told me. <laughs> she she already told me that she was going to say something about that. Um, but that's where I grew up. Um, I live in Shelbyville now, about 10 minutes away from where I was born or raised. Um, um, in skilled trades at Toyota Motor Manufacturing in Kentucky. Uh, we are not working right now. We haven't worked for about three weeks, but we are getting paid, and I am thankful for that. Um, I'm 40 years old, and honestly, um, as you'll hear later in this interview, uh, I'll be 41 in October, and I'm kind of excited to be 41. Um, pun completely intended. Uh, I'm married, I've got two kids, uh, one 22, almost 23-year-old daughter, and an 11-year-old son. Fantastic, yeah. So I'm getting ready to turn 40 myself, and and I'm excited to turn 40 because of the song, and then I'm also excited to turn 41. So it's, uh, it's, it's a good day, a uh, good time to be alive. Uh, and also, to back up what Ryan was saying, a shout out to Haley. If you haven't heard the third episode of our podcast, go back and listen to it with our friend Haley. Uh, she's from Australia, and she gave a really good interview and opened up um, about her story and how the band has helped shape her life. So please go back and listen to episode three if you haven't already. Uh, Ryan, so we went over your name, location, and, and your jobs. What do you like to do outside of work? When you're not at work, how do you fill your time? What, what hobbies or events or, or things do you like to do? Uh, in normal times, uh, um, I'm a real big sports fan. I love football, uh, basketball, baseball, uh, UK basketball and football specifically, which is where the UK in my handle comes from. Um, uh, like fishing, I like being outdoors, uh, and I love going to concerts. I love going to see Dave, you know, a month six weeks ago I was like you know which shows am I going to go to and now I'm thinking am I going to get to go to any shows but you know every show I go to and when I tell people that aren't in the DMV family that we have you know you should check this out it's all because everybody is always so happy and so everybody's happy everybody's free you know mm -hmm. and, and no matter if you like the music or not how can you not love being in that atmosphere absolutely um you know i've said it before on this podcast i just went to my first show believe it or not in 2019 at the gorge and the shared experience there was just magical i uh I can't imagine seeing another band, you know, and I'm speaking objectively here. I can't imagine seeing another band that, that stirs up that much energy at a live show. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So speaking of the band, um, how long have you been a fan of the Dave Matthews band? And if you have a, a certain song or a certain experience that that first really turned you on to the band and put it into high gear, what, what would that be? So, 
I've been a fan for probably since, I don't know, 96, 97. Um, I started out as a, you know, I knew Crash and Satellite, but I was like, oh, those are great songs, you know, and they always felt good to listen to. But um, my favorite song and the thing that really, well, there's kind of two things that really turned the table for me. Um, number 41 and like I said uh, I know when Haley hears this she's going to make another smart ass comment but whatever um, I, I grew up in the country uh, you know like no houses ha- uh, a mile apart or whatever and me and a buddy of mine had gone to my first show in at Riverbend in Cincinnati, Ohio and you know, we had a good time. You know, I heard like Crash or Satellite or a couple of them, and I'm like, hey, you know, this is a this is a really cool atmosphere. This was a lot of fun, but you know, I mean, it was nothing life changing at the moment. And a couple of days later, nice sunny summer Kentucky evening, probably six seven o'clock. I ran into town for something, you know, driving and when you come back to the house where I grew up, there's a hill you go over and there's a pond on the right hand side and you can see my house and again, you know, that's my house, I've done it a thousand times, not really thinking anything, but I had the Crash album in and I hit the top of that hill and the sun's going down and Dave hits that yeah part, you know, in where he drags it out, which I'm obviously not going to say, but <laughs> that hit and I mean, dude, I just got goosebumps because I had heard it before, but I didn't pay attention to it because, you know, like I said, I'd only heard a couple songs. <clears throat> and, you know, when that hit, I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is a little, you know, this is a game changer here. And so I dug deeper and I paid more attention. And <clears throat> that was that and the, uh, you remember the listener-supported album and DVD that came out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I don't think I'd ever heard All Along the Watchtower. Um, but I remember getting that DVD as a gift and sitting there one day watching it. And when Boyd hit that solo on Watchtower, mm-hmm. that was like, oh oh shit you know this is this is huge you know this is something that you know you know anything that automatically brings a smile to your face you know you have to pay attention to it and that those were the two moments for me that's what got me to where I am with Dave Matthews Band very nice very nice um mine was just briefly I'll share mine was uh you know, I listened to the band because a, a girlfriend at the time turned me on to them. And um, there's a difference between listening to music and then finally hearing the music. And I was listening to Warehouse. And for the first time, I wasn't just listening. I actually heard the song. And uh, it just it, it changed my outlook on everything. And uh, so that was, that was mine. Um, what's that noise I hear back there, Ryan? Um, if anything, there's a fan on. I don't know. 
Oh, okay. It sounds like it's like staticky. It could just be on the the, the recording, so it's not it's not a big deal. All right, so so we uh, went over the moment that kind of turned you on to the band as a whole. Um, why don't you speak a little bit? We'll go through some of the standard questions first. Um, let's break down what your favorite song is of the band, and and why is that your favorite song? Well, Forty One's my favorite song, um, but in later years, I took a little break, not intentionally or anything, probably two or three years, um, where I just didn't really pay a lot of attention, but here in the last three to four years, um, Lie in Our Graves, uh, Warehouse, and the Two-Step, Two-Step just expounds so much on and my thing about the band has always been you can take a four minute studio song and turn it into a 16 minute complete jam out and you know I love I love that about the band and it's just so so amazing to hear how they can take like I said so little and make so much but I've gotten a lot more respect lately for those jam out songs. And also, I don't, I see a lot of hate on Tripping Billies, and I don't know what it's about. That's a really good song. Eat, drink, and be merry. What more do you want? Mm. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, you know, there's a, a bigger DMB family that that I kind of consider when I go to a show, I'm with thousands of people, that's the the big DMB family. And then I have a smaller subset in that family of about 20 to 30 people that I talk to on a regular basis. And then I have maybe eight or nine people that, and yourself included, that I talk to quite frequently and I'm pretty open with. And so all of those layers of family mean something to me and they mean something different as as the layers start to pull back on the crowds. What does being a part of the smaller subset in the DMB family uh, mean to you? The, the daily interactions with the folks on Twitter, being able to share and and comment on music that you all both know and love. What is what is being a part of that community mean to you? So, to me, I've, you know, known three or four people that are like, oh yeah, Dave Matthews band, that's awesome. And the majority of people, they either don't listen or, honestly, that to me, they just don't understand. Like you said, they listen but don't hear. And if you take the time to slow down and hear, then it makes a world of difference. And uh, I don't even know how long I've been on Twitter, four or five years. Um, but one of the first things I got into was obviously Dave Matthews Band. And to see like the new ads of people and so-and-so's following you, like Shella Bella and DMV Mamas and DMV Lover and you and Haley's Dumbass and you know, 
all the, you know, all of those people add on. Like you say, when you go to a show, everybody's there for a reason. Probably 96% of the people there are there because they're Dave Matthews paying fans. And that other percentage may be, hey, you know, this seems like fun, I'm going to go do it. Kind of like, you know, my first show was. And, but to have this little group, like me, you, Haley, Shellabella, and uh, DMV Mamas, the one that we interact with on a daily basis, you know, we've interacted about not just the band. You know, we've gotten close, you know, we've talked about our families, we've talked about what's going on in our lives, and that, you know, that's what it should be about. That, to me, that is, anyway. I mean, it's, it's just, we're all connected over one thing, and that's the band, but it's also making so many more connections aside from that, you know, just talking about our families and our general lives and things like that, and that's, to me, that's exactly what the band's all about. Yeah, I agree, and, you know, that's what we're doing here is is trying to explore a little bit that bond that ties us all together. Um, like you said, when you're at a show, you're all there for the same reason, or most people are there for the same reason, and, you know, we've... We've also had that similarity in our in our roughest moments too. Um, you know, we've we've all listened to the Stone um, when we were yeah. feeling alone or, or having a down point, and and you know that song, the Stone, it's not going to cheer you up, but it's going to give you some company while you're feeling low. And you know, I think these shared experiences that we have, um, if we can just recognize them a little more then maybe, just maybe, we can be better to one another. So that was well said and exactly what we're trying to do here. Uh, so DMB On Demand, I started this years ago just as a way to share um, the media collection that I gathered. And it's morphed and grown. It's been a few different websites. Um, Lately, the last couple months, it's been focused on Twitter instead of Facebook, where we do the song of the day. Um, and then we started up the shop with all the designs for the merch and apparel. Uh, and then we started this podcast. So, you know, it's kind of hard for us on our end to see where this is going or, or what it even means. What DMB on demand is today, it might not be in three months. And so we ask the people who come on to give us a little perspective on what they think DMB On Demand is, and if you're up to it, what you would like to see DMB On Demand become. So uh, if you could share what, what it means to you and what you'd like to see more of, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. Just a quick side note before I get to that, um, regarding the stone. First of all, when those horns hit, absolute cold chills. And I would love to see a time to see the segue into Can't Help Falling in Love. I would love to be there mm -hmm. for that. That would be an amazing experience for me. <coughs> Moving forward. Um, I see DMV on demand as very fluid. 
I feel like you're going to work for what the fans and your fans want to see. I feel like you're going to go and do whatever you get the most feedback from. I feel like that's what you're going to go and do. And we all really appreciate that. You know, I've never done anything like this in my life. This is crazy. You know, I mean, it's not like four million people are going to hear it, but if four people hear it, then I'm, you know, that's different for me. Um, I love the interaction you have with all your friends and followers, and they're just songs of the day. Kill it. I love seeing your artistic outlook on things and how you view things, and, you know, I still want that Dreaming Tree picture, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, putting it on T-shirts and mugs and stickers, you know, that's awesome. You know, that's fantastic. All of us are going to buy that. We're all going to look at that. We're all going to see that. And that's a great, great thing to do for you to put yourself out there for the DMB family, hashtag, whatever. Um for you to do that is amazing, you know, and we all really, really appreciate it so much. <clears throat> all right, yeah. Um, right now the store is obviously not doing too good because we're all kind of stuck in this limbo. Um, but just kind of like you said with the podcast, it's not going to reach $4 million, It's only going to reach four people. Um, what I do in that store is labor of love. Um, if I sell, you know, 10 shirts, fine. If I sell one shirt, fine. If I sell none, fine. It's just a way to channel that artistic expression um, and, and to get it out there. And I will make sure that today, by the end of the day, I will get the Dreaming Tree <laughs> uploaded for you to where you can get it printed. I might even just hook it up and send it to a Walgreens near you and pay for it and get a poster print for you. But we'll get that resolved by the end of today. Uh, all right, so if you had the chance to pick one song, just one song, I know it's tough, that every person on the planet Earth would have to sit down and listen to one time, what song would you give the entire population and why that specific song? Oh, God, that's such a hard question. Like, am I trying to turn people onto the band or am I just trying to make people hear the music? I would say or well, that you're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to relay what the band means to you. I would say you're trying to um, show them the depth of the band and and what it means to you. Man, it might have to be Tripping Billies. I didn't expect that to be my answer, but it might have to be because, like I said, eat, drink, and be merry, and especially in these times right now, or tomorrow we're dying, which hopefully we're not, but I think it kind of says enjoy what you have, be respectful of what you have, and maybe pay more attention to what you have. I hope I'm not wrong on that answer, but I really don't know. Yeah, no, so a lot of times when we do these interviews, uh, people will 
have an idea in the back of their mind of what their default answer is. And rarely, but it's, it's appreciated when it happens, but rarely somebody will have something else pop into their mind or their heart and they'll just go with it like you just did. And I got to say, that's it's refreshing. Um, you could have went and, and told yourself internally, no, no, let me go with 41 or stone or whatever. But you took what bubbled up from inside of you, and that's exactly the kind of transparency and fluidity that we're, we're aiming for during these interviews. So thank you very much for following your, your mind and your heart on that answer. Um, and, you know, the answer makes sense to me. Like you say, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, that's universal advice, obviously, and everybody could use to hear that once in a while. Um, so in our DMV community, I've noticed that there are a lot of people out there who are either genuinely struggling, struggling with mental health, or they've overcome quite a bit of their obstacles in their own journey with mental health. And everybody seems to be, at least in the small circle that that is part of our family seems to be very caring and open um, and vulnerable. I think that's the word I'm looking for. People are, are okay being vulnerable among this family and that's it's quite rare. It really is. You don't you're not gonna find any other circles out there with this level of vulnerability. Uh, so if somebody's listening to this Ryan and whether they're a part of this family or not, if they're a, a fan of the band um, and they're going through some turmoil, some really bad stuff. Is there a song that you would play for them to help lift them up and away from that? Um, and if you do, why that song? Why, why do you think that would speak to the hearts of those who, who might be suffering? Uh, yet again with the hard questions. Um... Crush. Don't crush. Because sometimes people need to hear that the things they do mean a lot to other people. You know, you crush me with the things you do. That's that's a huge lyric if you don't if you haven't looked at it that way, it really is. Because for somebody to say, you know, I love you for you and I love the way that you do things and I'm a huge I've always said this everything happens for a reason good, bad, or in between and also worry will never solve a single problem none right, that's right so you've got to you can, al you can always have a plan but don't worry about that because everything it's going to work itself out the way it should. And in this community, you're not alone. I mean, you could send a message to me. I don't care who follows me, who don't follow me. If you've got a, if you're having a bad day, send a message to me and I'll do my best to pick you up and make you feel better. Unless you're Haley, then you can kiss off. But, <laughs> but honestly, dude, I mean, anybody, you know, if you're, if you're not feeling well and you know that there are certain people in this community that aren't exactly like the rest of us. And 
you know, be you. That's fine, but just be you away from us. And, you know, <clears throat> but to have somebody say that, you know, you crush me with the things you do, don't take that bad. Take that as, you know, you being you is the reason that I love you and the reason that I'm proud of you and the reason that I'm happy that I know you. That's, I guess that's the best answer I can give for that. You're killing me with these questions man <laughs> yeah we we try to dig a little deeper than than most and, and scratch that surface quite a bit as much as we're able to and you're doing a fantastic job with your answers i like i said i really appreciate you being completely open and fluid with this and going with what comes to mind um and and it would be so easy just to lock up and go to the default answer so seriously thank you for for coming at this the way you are. Um, so the podcast has goals. We definitely have some goals. And one of our goals is to get to some or all of the band members to let them hear just how much their music and their life's work has impacted our lives. Um, with that being said, if you were to sit down with the entire band on a couple sofas and you just had a minute to, to tell them something, what would you tell the band if given the opportunity? Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Um, thank you for the way that you bring people together. Um, Stefan's very outspoken. Uh, I don't talk politics because I don't know it. Um, but he can have his views, and that's fine. He should have his views. Always stand behind your views unapologetically, and don't let anybody tell you anything different. Um, that's just my opinion. You know, if you if you believe in something, then believe it. Uh, also, I miss Boyd. I'm not gonna lie. Um, he made some mistakes, I guess. Supposedly, did some things he maybe shouldn't have done. Uh, but I miss that infectious energy, you know, and, you know, Buddy Strong, he's got energy, that's for damn sure, mm -hmm. and I love what he brings to the band, but I wish, man, I wanted the, the Hall of Fame so bad this year because Boyd was on the list, that would have been their chance to do it again, and I wanted to see how they handled that, because they're all very mature adults, and you know, I wanted to see how that would have worked. Um, to me, Carter Beaufort is the greatest drummer I've ever seen. <clears throat> but overall, just thank you. you know, thanks for the way you bring people together. Thank you for, I mean, you know, you get sick. You went to the gorge. How many, how many people were there? Oh, thousands. Yeah, yeah. You bring thousands of people together night after night with the same mindset because of who you are and that's you know that speaks volumes to me that's hard for anybody to do and it's just such a great community to be a part of and I'm so thankful for it and that's that's what I would tell okay so the last two questions before we wrap up are going to be digging a little deeper. Um, 
um, they might not be as hard as the questions I've already asked as far as how tricky they are, but they're going to require you to scratch the surface and dig a little deeper. So um, first of all, what I want you to do is I want you to think of a tough moment in your life, one of the toughest, and either how DMB impacted that moment in the moment, or maybe it just gives context to that moment when you're looking back on it. So um, it's going to be difficult. Pick a, a trying time in your life and how the music has helped shape that um, from here on out. Daddy, come quick. The dreaming tree is dead. I can't find my way home. There is no place to hide. Um, that's that's pretty easy for me. My daughter was sick last year. Um, she was in the hospital. Uh, didn't really know what was going to happen with her. Um, and, you know, she was in and out of sleep, you know, a lot of times. And when she was out of sleep, or went in sleep, uh, I was outside drinking some good old Kentucky bourbon and listening to Dave Matthews. And Dreaming Tree came on. And I was like... You know, gosh damn, man, this is, you know, this is a really shitty time, and I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, looking back on it, that's like, you know, that kind of got me through, because it's like, you know, this is, this tells me that I'm here, and that somebody needs me, you know, and that's what I get out of dreaming tree. You know, I picture a small child or a little girl running up and being like, hey, you know, this this bad thing is happening. Come help me. Mm. And that's, that's just how I looked at it. Yeah, that's one of those songs that, you know, I can't necessarily say that it's made me feel better. Um, but it's given me a tremendous amount of comfort during trying times. And, you know, sometimes, you know, frankly, at least for me, sometimes I don't necessarily want to feel better. I just want to feel like I'm not alone. And yeah, that song does that for me. And when I know that other people like yourself have had similar experiences with that same music the next time i listen to that song i'm a little more aware of that commonality and it just brings that sense of family closer together even during the shittiest moments uh if i sit and think about it and i think about the thousands of people who've also been here and listen to, to these songs it brings me a great sense of comfort um it's an amazing song. So we're going to flip the spectrum now and wrap up the interview on a positive note. So just like we did with the trying time with your daughter, now I want you to pick a great time in your life, just a real high point that either a DMV song impacted in the moment while you were in that experience or it gives context to that experience looking back. Um, last year I went to uh, Noblesville, well, Deer Creek, whatever you want to call it, night two. Um, it's always it's it's always Deer Creek. It'll forever be Deer Creek. 
you're exactly right. I completely agree with that. Um, and I went with my neighbor who had never been before. And I forget what song was on. Uh, I've got a video of it. But, like, I looked over and he's just beaming. And I, I took a video with my phone and I said, I told you. I fucking told you. And, you know, giving that experience to somebody else is just feels so good you know because it's like this is what you've been missing out on take advantage of it while you can and let's enjoy it you know more people should be here enjoying it and ah man I wish I could remember what song it was um but you know it it, it just like the clarity you know like when I came over the hill going back to my house the clarity that's what hits you and you could, I could see it hit him at the time. And that's a great feeling, man. You know, to, to introduce somebody to something that makes them happy, how does that not feel good? You know, how can you not love that? No matter what it is, whether it's DMV, which obviously, obviously I'm going to go for first. Um, but anything, if you can introduce somebody to something that makes them happy that they didn't know about, it sure is it sure is um so we're going to wrap up the interview by letting you promote anything that you want to promote so um maybe give the people um the information on how to find you on twitter if you want to shout out anybody um on twitter or in real life if you have any charities um a recent guest just did Farm Aid. They gave a shout out to anything that you think the world needs to hear more about. This is your time to do so. But before I let you jump in, I just want to take a moment from our side to thank all of the essential workers that are out there right now. And when I say essential workers, I don't mean just say healthcare or law enforcement. I mean the people who are still working at hotels so that family can come and visit the sick, the people who are in the grocery store risking their health every day so that we can have food. The quote unquote little man has become the most important part of our American backbone right now. So I just wanted to say a special thank you and shout out to all of the essential workers. Uh, we owe you a debt of gratitude and I hope beyond hope that when this is all over, we still view these people as essential because they are. So with that being said, Ryan, now's your chance to plug away. Um, I'll let you have the floor. Um, I don't really have anything specific to plug, but um, my daughter's in the medical field, your wife's in the medical field. Um, and I'd also like to second that shout out and that vote of approval for the ones in the medical, medical field, the essential workers, the ones that are out, the Kroger and Walmart workers that are working for $9, $10 an hour and literally risking their lives. We hope it's not that bad, but it possibly could be. Um, and support your local groups, including you, Drew. Uh, you know, you do a lot of work spend a lot of time and you bust your ass for this DMV family and if nobody else ever tells you I will tell you right now 
I greatly appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. It's 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 a lot of work. It's not easy, um, but you know, support your farmers markets if we ever get those back. Your local farms that are selling beef and meat, and eggs and things like that, and take care of the little guy. Um, when you go into stores, we all have to do it, whether we like it or not. Uh, tell them thank you. You know, yes, they're going to be slow. Yes, it's aggravating, but we wouldn't be able to eat and clean and survive without those workers. So make sure to tell them thank you. Uh, also, make sure you tune into uh, what is it, Jimmy Fallon's night? Dave's mm-hmm. going to be on there. Farm Aid Saturday. Um, I guess my Twitter shout-outs will be Fuck Haley, um, <laughs> the, the fan that Jane likes. Uh, actually, she's pretty awesome. She's also a nurse, and she's busting her ass over there in marsupial land. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jet Life Megs, uh, DMB Mamas, DMB Lovers, Shella Bella, DMB On Demand, all of those. Um if I forgot anybody, I'm sorry. There's just so many of us that are starting to come together. Um, and this is kind of what we need, especially right now. So let's all just support each other. Uh, don't be a dick. And let's just love each other and be happy. And hopefully we'll get a little bit of concert season this year. Yeah, I sure hope so. Um, I guess the verdict is still out for that, but here's one thing I know. I know that this band does above and beyond for its fans. And if something happens where we can't have the concerts, the tour dates that are set up already, when we're able to get back to normal, whatever normal is going to be, I know for sure that the band is going to do something to connect with the audience, whether it be live streams like Dave did from his home or a mini caravan or, you know, shows in the fall. There's always going to be something that that band would not leave us without anything. That I know for sure. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. I know you were a little nervous, but you came through with flying colors. Again, my sincere thank you for going with your head and your heart on the answers instead of leaning on what you thought would be the answer. Um, That makes a big difference in how you connect with people. And like you said, whether four million people or four people hear this and hear your story, if somebody feels that it's relatable, even one person, then we've done our job here um, in trying to further connect the DMB family together. You know, I'm a Hoosier. I'm from Indiana, so I'm a Hoosier fan. So I love you, even though you're a Kentucky fan. Um, (laughs) We'll just agree to disagree on this till the day we die. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Right. But mostly I just wanted to say thank you. Um, It's been refreshing having you on here. Um, And just a side note on our format, I'm going to be recording four or five interviews over the next week. The reason we're doing that is so 
that we can have the content ready where all we have to do is record the intro and the outro and be able to publish every other Sunday. For right now, that's going to be our format and our schedule every other Sunday. Um, the next episode, the one we're recording right now, is going to be coming out on the 12th, April 12th. And then every other Sunday after that, we'll release new episodes. So we'll have some consistency. Um, that idea to pre-record came from none other than Haley. So uh, oh, shout out God. to Haley as well uh, from my end. And uh, everybody in that, that circle, that uh, day's global PR team, um, Ryan already listed most of them. Shella Bella, Haley, Fingertips and Kissing, Ashley, the whole crew, DMB Mom. Oh, yeah, I forgot them. Yeah, just that whole crew um, has helped DMB on demand out so much. I could never even express it, um, both individually and collectively. They're just an amazing group of gals um, that I don't know where we'd be with this whole brand um, without. So. Ryan, thanks again for coming on, buddy. And um, like I said, we'll be publishing this episode on Sunday. Of course, I'll let you get a, a copy of it beforehand and go over it and make sure everything's to your liking. Um, you did great, and thanks so much, man. Well, I really appreciate it. I know I sound country as fuck because I am country as fuck. Um, but... Uh, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope this does get four million listeners, dude. I, I really do. Um, but if one person listens and gets anything out of it, then I'm all for it. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Uh, I've never this. I've never done anything like this in my life. Um, but I really appreciate it, dude. Thanks for all you do for the DMB family and for people in general. Hey, thanks again for coming on, Ryan. I know you said you've never done anything like this, but frankly, I couldn't tell. You did quite well. You were a natural. So I'm really happy to have had you on for our fourth episode. So if you listen to episode three, at the very end of it, I shared a personal story about my life and how it revolved around DMB music, namely Rhyme and Reason. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and give it a listen. It's in the final 10 minutes or so of episode 3 with Haley. I'll give you a quick synopsis here. Let me start by saying, I am not the man that I used to be. Getting married, growing up, having people that depend on me, these are things that made me into who I am today. Before that point in time, I lived recklessly, to say the least. So I found myself with no family, no friends, hours away from my hometown, in a big city, in a homeless mission. It was pretty rough. So when the 
director of the homeless mission came to me and said he had an opportunity for me. That somebody he knew was breaking ground on a huge estate and he needed help with the deliveries and contractors. That I could stay there um, as the place is being built and get paid and then be able to stay in the new home for six months while I saved up my money. Oh, it was a godsend. So of course I jumped on it. Well, one of the worst mistakes I've ever made. We got to the guy's house, not the one he's building, the one he currently lived in, and it was small, only one bedroom. He introduced me to cocaine, and then not knowing what it was, he helped me smoke something through a pipe, turned out to be crack cocaine. So within two days of going up there, he had me hook, line, and sinker, and we went out to look at the land he was going to be building on and nothing had been done. Not a single shovel full of dirt had been shoveled. It was, there was nothing. I already started to get skeptical about what was really going on here. But I didn't have much of a choice but to hope for the best. Well, Later that week, a few days later, he said we should get together with some of my friends, get a hotel room, and celebrate. Celebrate groundbreaking for the new place, celebrate his friends, just it, it seemed okay, it seemed legit. So that Friday night, that's exactly what we did. We went and we rented a hotel room, he called his friends, told them to meet us over there around 9, 9.30. And that was that. Well, 8.30 came and we decided to go actually check into the room. We did, uh, dropped off our stuff, then went to the liquor store, bought a bunch of booze, came back, and just hung out for a little bit. Hour goes by and I'm expecting his friends to start rolling up, and they don't. I'm maybe like five drinks in at this point, so I'm, I'm pretty buzzed and I start to get sleepy. Uh, not like I'm gonna pass out right now, but strangely sleepy, uh, out of nowhere. And as the next 15 minutes went on, it got worse and worse and worse. Finally, it got to the point where I had to lay down, so I walk over and crash onto the mattress. The next thing I know, I'm waking up in spurts. I could be awake just enough to realize where I was, what was happening, and then I would pass back out. And it got to the point that I started to realize that I was naked on the bed which in no way, shape, or form should have been the case, passed back out. Woke up again, same situation, a little bit longer, and he's laying on the bed. It was at that point I started to piece together what happened. Little flicks of it came back. 
I was sexually assaulted after being drugged. I gained my composure and my consciousness little by little until finally it was about 5 a.m. and I was able to shake everything off and actually get up and I went down to the lobby and I'm freaking out. I can't tell anybody because at the time it felt like I couldn't tell anybody. Nobody's going to believe a male-on-male sexual assault. Even if they did believe me, what are they going to do? All my stuff is at his house, so it's not like I can just, you know, up and leave. I've got to go back in there and play it cool and try to get back to his house and formulate an escape plan and get out of there. All of this, I'm having to put all of this plan together right after being drugged and having the sexual sexual assault. Not easy to do, not by a long shot. I keep my composure, I get back to his house. Okay, now I can get my stuff. He's acting real inquisitive. He's asking me questions. Am I okay? What's wrong? Looks like something's wrong. Playing it totally cool but clearly trying to see what I remembered. I played it cool as well. I'm fine. I just got too drunk last night. Sorry I passed out last night. Anything to not bring a light on the elephant in the room. I got all my stuff packed, but what do I do? I'm hours away from my hometown, I have no family, no friends, I have no car, I only have what I can fit into a satchel. I called somebody I know back at the mission who had a truck, and I told him, look, something happened, I can't tell you what, you can't ask me about it, I can't talk about it, but I need you here, and I need to get out of here. I have no money to give you for gas, when I get money, it will be yours, I am begging you, please come get me. He had to ask around for gas money. He also was at a homeless shelter, so it wasn't that easy. Finally, he crowdsourced 10 bucks, enough to get there and back, and he was ready to go. Now, let me backtrack just a second. I told the guy who assaulted me that I needed to use the phone to call my mother, it was her birthday, I haven't talked to her in years, all of that was a lie. I only said that so I could get outside and say, hey, I need some privacy to talk to my mom. When in reality, I needed privacy to get a hold of this dude to get a ride up out of there. And I told him, once you figure out a way, call this number back and tell him you're my father. So. I told the dude who assaulted me, like, yeah, I talked to my mom, and uh, believe it or not, she said she tracked down my dad, and my dad wants to talk to me, so he might be calling, and I hope that's okay. He said, yeah, it's fine. So when my buddy called, said he was my dad, talked to me, I'm sitting there having one of those conversations where, like, you're talking to the person on the phone, and you're giving them yes or no answers, 
but you're answering it in a way that they know somebody else is listening. So they have to phrase their questions just right. So he would ask me something like, if I'm there in two hours, will you have your bags ready to go? And I'd reply with, oh yeah, absolutely, that would be great. And he would say, when I get there, do we need to do anything? I know what he meant. And I said, no, 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 no. No, it's not even necessary. It's, it's fine. And that was how I was able to coordinate my exit out of there. So I started packing my stuff little by little, and I noticed that he is uh, starting to get nervous. So nervousness turns to a little bit of aggression. Let me say, I'm six foot five and 270 pounds. I am built like a brick house, but I'm a pacifist. I will avoid confrontation at any time if I'm able. That's who I am now. Back then, because of how I lived, violence was part of my life and I could contain it I could contain violence, but once pushed past a certain limit, I couldn't contain. I would go blind. Going blind, whatever happens, happens, and then you come out of it, and that's how I was starting to feel. So I, I went to the kitchen, acted like I'm getting a glass of water, opened up the drawer, put a knife in my hand that ran parallel with my hand, slid part of it underneath my bracelet. So I was able to stand with my hand flat and him not know that there's anything underneath. He is getting more aggressive, so I wanted this option if I had to literally cut and run. All I had to do was clinch my fist and a blade would come out between my middle and my ring finger. I have, it was the longest two hours of my life waiting for this ride to get here, watching out the window, knowing that when he got there, I got to grab my shit and get out now, like run to the truck. And maybe about 15 minutes before he got there, the guy who assaulted me started to figure out that I knew. And he started to get closer and closer and more and more aggressive and not a big dude. It definitely didn't intimidate me physically, but it's weird. I'd never felt as weak as I did in that moment. He had stepped, there were, he had power over me because of what he did. Uh, he doesn't anymore, but in the moment he did. And I went blind. I threw down the knife, thank God, I threw down the knife and just wailed on him. Like my fist started back at my back hip and rotated all the way out and around and connected right on his cheekbone. It wasn't a nose shot, so there wasn't this explosion of blood. It wasn't an eye shot, it was right on the cheek. And I could hear the jaw crack just a little and he fell to the ground like a sack of potatoes. And I got over him with knees on both sides, like full mount, 
and just started wailing, arching my back backwards, and then bringing my fist back up and around, and then leaning back in towards him as I came down, with both hands alternating, boom, 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 boom. He's trying to talk, not really able to talk in that condition. I back up off of him, I grab my bag, I tell him, if he does anything, anything, I'm going to come right back in here and finish what I started. My fear at that point is that he would just call the cops, he's bloodied and bruised, and I would get arrested for assault. Then I would, I mean, I don't know if I would have told the cops what happened to me, because what would that have done? Man, it's really tricky when this shit goes down. Uh, there's duct tape over your mouth and you can't take that duct tape off. You want to, but you just can't. Anyway, 10 minutes goes by, going on 15, I see his truck. So I wave Lester down and I grab my satchel and I walk to his truck and he asked me if we need to go to the hospital. And I said, no, fine. He said, I really think you should get your hand checked. I looked in my right hand. There's still scars on it to this day on my right set of knuckles from just wailing on him and following through with the punch. I was trying to punch behind his head. And so if he moved to the left or to the right, I was hitting solid ground like carpet. So it was ripping the skin back and almost like a, a burn. And then, of course, it split open on my middle and ring knuckle, uh, just on my right hand. And I said, no, no, I just want to get back to Indianapolis, get me back to the shelter. As weird as it sounds, shelter, the shelter was my only home. And it felt a little bit like going home, even though on the way there, it dawned on me that I was put in this predicament by an offer from the director of the shelter. I don't use names and I'm not going to much, but in this case I will. His name is Bob Goodrum. He's still a high ranking member of the philanthropy circle in Indianapolis, sits on boards and charities, stuff like that. I've seen this man for who he is, and I've seen what he's done to the weakest people society has to offer. Oh, going back to that shelter was bittersweet because I was home, but man, what was gonna happen next? Like, he knows this guy. So Bob just like kept away from me. Of course, he wasn't around the people that lived there all that much anyway. He was always up in his office and whatnot and handling all the finances and the donations, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I get back to the mission and I'm just now trying to cope with everything that happened. Like I haven't had time to sit and process anything from the time I woke up in the hotel room to right then and there. Now I'm surrounded by 150 or so homeless guys 
You can't break down in that scenario. Oh. You can't bring attention to yourself. There's shame involved in it. There's a, a feeling of helplessness, helplessness with it. And then not to be able to feel what I was feeling and having to bottle that up so I stay somewhat sane and, and keep my shit together was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Well, I started listening to more and more DMB after this as a way to help cope and Rhyme and Reason became my go-to song. My head won't leave my head alone and I don't believe it will till I'm six feet underground. I lived that lyric. My head wouldn't leave my head alone for love of money. Ugh. And I didn't think it was going to end until I was dead. And, you know, there were a lot of suicidal thoughts at this time. I have nothing. It's just happened to me. I have no way to cope with it. I can't get it out of my mind. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm in a homeless shelter. I have nothing. My family won't talk to me. Friends will talk to me, all because of my own doing. They are the best people in the world, and we've since made amends, and it's all good. But at the time, there was nobody. Nobody but the music of Dave Matthews. So, his music helped shape that time in my life. And eventually, the music, certain songs, would bring me up out of that pit of despair. I wasn't out of the woods yet. I still had a lot of irresponsible life to live at that point. I would eventually go into a nine month long rehab program at the shelter. You would have classes and you'd go to chapel and you'd go meet the psychiatrist and it was Christian based. Wouldn't have needed that until Bob Goodrum sent me on this, this trip where I got introduced to cocaine, but since I had and I was fiending for it, this seemed like a smart play. Um, I didn't know that a month from coming home to the shelter and getting enrolled in this program, I would be kicked out of it. Couldn't even pack my stuff. Somebody had to pack it for me. Got kicked out of the mission. If I thought I had nothing before I was at the mission, now I had even less. I don't even have a roof over my head now. But that's another story for another time. Listen, when I share these stories, they're going to be stories that either the music of DMV impacted in the moment or has since given me context about the situation when looking back. Because they were my soundtrack, and if, if one person can hear this and feel like, oh, I've went through a similar thing, I'm not alone, or they can think, I've been through similar, let me listen to this music and see if it helps me, how it helps him. If just one person takes that away from these stories that I'll share on this podcast, then it's worth doing a thousand episodes. And that's just the bottom line. 
you know, what drives me and what drives Dean Beyond Demand is a profound sense of gratitude for having DMV is the soundtrack to my highs and lows. And I know there's people out there who have had similar highs and lows and a similar soundtrack. And what we're doing here is we're trying to shine a light on that. Because if we can shine a light on it and see that commonality, maybe we can use it to be better to one another. And again, if that happens one time, then it's worth a thousand episodes. So that's it for this week. I will check back in with you next week, Monday at 3 p.m. After our guest interview, we'll move on to a different time in my life and a different story that DMB has impacted. Till then, take care of each other, love yourself, and be well.